0: Welcome back to Unmatched. My guest today is Lars Barrett. He's a best-selling author, a podcaster, and the CEO at Granny Smith, Germany's number one early stage innovation accelerator. And if all these things were not enough, he's also one of the biggest leadership German influencers on LinkedIn with hundreds of thousands of followers. In this episode, Lars shares his journey, his insights, and his tips on how to drive innovation and create a culture of creativity within your organization. A little warning though, he's a direct guy and will drop a few bad words here and there, but I guess that's part of his charm. So whether you're a marketer, an entrepreneur, or simply someone who's passionate about innovation and creativity, you won't want to miss this episode. So Lars, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I have so much to ask you, but the first thing that I want to start with is clarify to us what innovation actually is.
1: Oh, that's that's a, that's the hardest question because not everyone has a different de- definition. But for me, it's it's a new product or service that is successfully accepted by the customers on a bigger scale. That's what innovation and it can be a product, it can, you know, it can help you having an easier life, whatever. Sometimes things that you can't even see, we have completely different stuff. So I know there are, you know, there are definitions out there, the NASA definitions and everything, you know, but for me, I don't care so much because, you know, what I found out, there's so many different ideas out there. And if you try to press them in a stiff definition, that won't work, that simply won't work. But... For me, innovation is not a creative idea. Absolutely not. You know, ideas are so cheap. You know, everybody has ideas, but successfully bringing them to the market and having them accepted by the customers, but by real buying customers, that's innovation for me.
0: For someone that isn't really involved in this world, and for a curious person like me, innovation from the outside seems to be this. Um, you're sort of a magician. And you, you know, like you have a magic wand and you create something that ne- never existed before. And it's something completely new, something disruptive, something that changes the world. But is that really what innovation stands for? Or or does it have different degrees and different shades of how much of a change that is to the market or how disruptive it is? Completely.
1: 10,000 shades of gray completely different understandings for, for each, you know, for, for example, we, we have a customer that, that says, you know, the, uh, introduction of office, uh, 365 is innovation for him. I say, <laughs> what are you for real? No, you know, that's one of the most boring job probably out there, but yeah, for our company, it's innovation I say, okay. No, it's it's hard to define that. It's so hard and I don't think you even have to do it, but, um, most companies, you know, if you really look at them, they've been innovative once in their whole history that's that's really true and from there they just you know having lots of variations different colors different styles different applications but most companies out there it's also crazy they're not getting older than a maximum of 17 years and they're not really innovating and that's actually you know it's a little frightening if you think about that the most of them also not really trying because sometimes if you find a new product, it could disrupt the old one. It's happening very, very often. So yeah, it's, it's a very difficult topic and it, it looks like magic from the outside, but actually it's all about execution. It's not about the big idea. It's all about the execution. If someone has an idea to really bring it to market, find out, is that something? And then, of course, you need all the marketing and sales stuff whatever, to, to make it really become a reality. But the very first reaction sometimes, you know, in our projects, you know, when we we bring a new product, To market every Friday, and sometimes we have to switch off the campaigns on Sunday because you are a hundred percent sure that people love it because you know our inbox is exploding, right? And sometimes you you leave a campaign running for like two weeks, and and you can see oh my God, there's just like 25 customers, and uh, if we would really bring this product to market, we need to invest like 10 millions. Probably not such a good idea. But then again, you know, you're getting feedback from a, from someone that's asking, you know, why don't you do it in that, that way? And you say, oh, my God, we are so stupid. We haven't seen that. And then you pivot a little bit, go out to the next test and find out, oh, look, there are 150 companies, uh, 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 customers in just one week. Crazy, you know, and that's the magic behind much more, but, you know, at least the right direction.
0: And also what I found really interesting, because I haven't really seen it anywhere else, but with you and your company and and by reading your book is you also say that part of being innovative is really the level of of adoption from the market you don't see innovation without that piece right
1: yeah most of the people out there that come from an r&d perspective right they think you know they have a probably developed a new material or you know better absorption better i don't know whatever but it's okay having this understanding of innovation. You know, I, I I won't try to missionize them and tell them, no, it's different, blah, blah, blah. But then again, you know, if you're not selling new products with it, because, you know, if you talk to C-level guys, there's just one decision, which is one big KPI, and it's sales. And if you don't address that, you have no chance of, you know, really becoming successful. And even, even for, you know, the big sustainable topic, I can tell you what, you know, on number one KPI, it's not sustainability. It's first, does it sell? And yes. If we can fulfill sustainability goals with that, it's highly welcome, but it's not on number one. So, you know, it's not so magic. And If you, if you, if you really work for the bigger companies, it's, 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 it's a hard job, absolutely. And it has nothing to do with magic. There is some topics in there that if you have a team behind developing a new innovative product, first thing is that everybody in the team really, 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 really got to believe in it. If you have someone on the team that says, mm, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't feel right about this product and um, I have my doubts, right? And it's, it might, might might sound a little hard, but then he can't take part in our project. We, we don't kick him out, but we, we tell him, okay, you're not part of this project right now because it simply won't work. And the next thing is if people can't imagine the end result, and I don't mean, you know, the product, but the, the impact of the thing that we are uh, inventing. If you can't imagine that or you don't even don't believe in that next stop, you're out because, you know, if you have people like that in, a, in the project, it simply won't work. But that's, you know, that's the hardest part and not everybody needs that. Some people can see the end result in front of their eyes and like a, a good sports guy, you know, you can already visualize, how they will achieve that. And we are also doing that. I know not everybody, you know, like a software developer or something needs that, but at least, you know, a designer or a um, strategic guy, he really needs that if you want to make the program become a success. That's something you simply don't learn at a university. Absolutely not.
0: It's a matter of attitude.
1: Uh, you, you're focusing on methods and processes and all that stuff. Tools. I'm always getting asked, you yes, know, what tools are you using? I said, yeah, quite a lot. And then I turned it like this and this and this and this. And then, oh, okay, we have the same. Yeah, no wonder, right? And yeah, of course, we have a few AI tools also. So we, we can... Get much more traction. That's also the reason why we are so fast and can develop products in one week, right? But actually, tools are not important. Absolutely not. The most important thing is can you imagine it? And then can you even feel it? And I know that sounds crazy because an engineer is talking about feelings, right? But if you can't feel it, chances are pretty high you're failing.
0: I love that you're saying that because you're actually touching on a very important topic that is, I think, on everyone's minds these days when when you talk about AI, right, and and productivity and tools and everyone is so scared that they're going to lose their jobs and there's not going to be enough for people and what are humans going to do. But what you just said here, I think, is exactly the key. You need to have that imagination. You need to have that vision, in a way, that you can almost like create in advance in your mind, what you hope then the tools to actually deliver for you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So talk to me a little bit about what role does that play, right? Especially in this world of excessive technology and tools.
1: I can explain it on, on an example and you get a better understanding of it. For instance, you know, back in the days, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, if we developed a new product name, right? We had two weeks of time and um, you probably know that like developing long lists of names and, and then you involved some lawyers checking with legal yes yeah checking with legal you had, you, had, you had like 500 names and then in the end it ended up like two or three and they all were totally crap <laughs> you started again so that that was a typical project um approach to how to develop a nice product name right today we do that in a half half an hour and we do that with the help of ai which is automatically change checking are the domains free? You know, is there some brand already registered? Or whatever, it, and it helps a lot. But you know, an AI can't—at least at the moment. Probably, probably it's getting better. with, I don't know. But at the moment, it doesn't have soul. And you, you feel it immediately that you know the names. Sometimes, yeah, they're very technical, and and sometimes it makes boom because of the one who's using the AI, and you say, "Wow, what is that? That's crazy." And then you test it, and then and and we get we get approval. We say, "Oh, whoa! If we use that name, and that's something you know, that's something of this magical part behind, right? Uh, if you work with creatives together, that you know, at some point you you simply know it and say, wow, we we got to dig deep on that one.' I love the idea, and then then creativity explodes, and your curiosity is coming up, and people are getting crazy, and, and that's something which I, which I totally miss in AI's solutions, like. ChatGPT, you know, I I ask ChatGPT, uh, you know, what do we need to become innovative? You know, that's my topic, right? I can tell you the the answer is right and completely wrong because it's consensus bullshit. That you can read in every book. That was also the reason why I wrote that book because I couldn't stand it anymore because there was standing so much meaningless not working because we try we really tried that not working stuff in there i said why is nobody talking about how it really works and that's the same with ai you know it's looking backwards and it's of course it has scanned all the books and all the you know the technical understanding but that won't help you with innovation development Probably a little bit from a, I would say, a technical perspective for getting a little faster. But in the end, you need vision. You need a lot of heart and soul and passion. And until now, you know, probably it's going to change in the next 10 years. I don't know. But I really miss that. I really miss that.
0: Well, I mean, it's a tool that helps with efficiency, right? It just helps to create a better workflow, yeah. but it doesn't show you the way. It doesn't really open up, as you said, the vision for what needs to happen. That's still a human's role, our role as people and having absolutely. the imagination, right? Which is something, I guess, that we need to really make sure that our kids keep developing because that's sort of, I feel, one of the skills of the future. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But my son just turned 18, right? And he's still at the school and he told me, you know, uh, Dad, you know, I'm I'm using just, you know, 50% of our classes are already using ChatGPT for doing their homework. Is that great? Do that because, you know, the tasks that you're getting at school are so completely, you know, off topic. Just, you know, learning something to tell you something. That's not what we need in the near future. Please learn to, you know, use all these tools, right? I was totally blown away by the uh, AI tools for developing music. I said, wow, this, this you know, it's not going to be a number one hit, but it's nice. And, 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 you know, the creativity sitting in front of the computer... Is the thing that makes it, the thing uh, unique, you know? What well, we have very intense discussions in our company, because, you know, if, you, you can imagine you know, if you have designers and they learned like, I don't know, 15 years how to do that. And then you now an NI is coming you know, around the corner and, and showing you how the new corporate design should look like, of course, they're telling you that's crap. And that's not our idea of, you know, quality. And I, I said, yes, that's true, but we're not talking about end results. But for instance, you know, if, if you have a name and you have uh, the industry, you can just type it in an AI and it shows you like 500 different um, suggestions for a really rough direction for for a design or whatever. And it's true, 90% is crap. 99% is crap. But sometimes you get inspiration and say, oh, look look at this, I like this small part there and that part there. And if we combine it with a little art and so, that could be really crazy. And then, you know, it speeds up the process of developing new, new stuff. But... Um, it definitely um, won't, you know, make you get useless or whatever. But we had very intense discussions about stuff, very intense. And, I, yeah, so even some designers left our company because of that. I said, you know, we as an innovation agency, we don't have the right to, you know, judge about that. We, we should use all new solutions out there. You know, if it's really changing things so drastically, like for instance, for uh, copywriting, we heard that it was in the next five years, it will be so good that, you know, each copywriter out there will be, you know, knocked away. We will see. I don't know. We would see. But, you know, as an innovation agency, you don't have to, you, you can't say, no, we don't use it. We always stick with the old process, right? It, pff, I don't think that's a good idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think in general, we we, we just need to be open To technology, right? And instead of fighting it, maybe just learn how to ride the wave. This is how I like to say it, you know, instead of fighting the wave, learn to ride it. Because if you learn to ride it, you know how to work with it. And you you know how to like use it in your favor. But you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you is also, how hard is it to be innovative these days? And what was that like the most challenging innovative process that you had to navigate in your career so far?
1: (sighs) It's very hard. People don't like the answer, but it's very hard. You know, as I've wrote in my book, it's like a hundred different parameters. And if only one of these parameters is like zero, then the whole project is completely fucked up and you have like n- zero innovation. So you must be in each single paragraph that you're working on. You must be quite good to have a result. And it's almost impossible. It's also the, the main reason for failing projects is not that big people are stupid or, you know, that they don't, they're not experts in the field. It's really the problem that project lengths and the losing motivation while working on something. That's really really big problem. And the other thing is that we have multiple projects. For instance, in our company, we had these usual Monday morning meetings. Probably you have it in company to Arnold.
0: I have it in my team for sure. Right.
1: We don't do that anymore because you know it was almost everybody in the room for telling me. So what are you working right on? Do you need any you know support, or whatever? And everyone was telling me, uh, no, I'm waiting for approval. Next designer uh, said, I'm I'm waiting for the feedback. Uh, I'm. Everybody in this round was waiting. The whole agency was waiting. And I was like, hey, guys, how does it feel for you? And they said, well, it's actually just crap. Because we love creating. We love building cool stuff. We love having deadlines. People told us that they love having deadlines. And as a creative, you know, if you don't have deadlines, you're not very productive.
0: I know exactly you know, what in it general, is. There
1: are probably some exceptions, <laughs> but, you know...
0: <laughs> right. the night before the so, presentation <laughs> is yeah. the moment of the spark <laughs> exactly
1: and and then you probably know also the, the next thing you know it's always the first design that's the best always you know it's, it's so crazy then you start yeah let's optimize it and let's iterate it and then you, you look at it again and three weeks later and you see oh actually the first one was uh better i don't know i don't know why but we had it like a hundred times right and so we said okay can't we change that because you know in the middle of each project you're totally demotivated we are doing numerous projects in parallel we're somehow frustrated for waiting and all that stuff you know there there was so much more things that we said you know normally i would love my job but actually no even project management every day you know i had people sitting next to me from project. they were crying because they said, you know, I, I can't talk to the creatives or the stupid developers. They don't listen to me and they don't do what I want and stuff, you know. And then I talked to the developers say, said, what's, what's up? Yeah, yeah, you know, project management stupid. They have a wrong understanding of the project. You probably know that, right? You probably know that. So what what we did is we canceled everything that it sounds stupid, but that's not what's not fun or we don't like. We canceled everything of that. Like, we, we don't have projects management anymore nothing zero we don't you know you know in germany it's typically if you have a project you have to you have to write down um how long you have been working on a project right and we always had problems with that we simply don't do it anymore because our project is one week you don't have to write down that you're working on this and that customer it's just one customer and you can go all in on that and all that stuff that you, if, if you work in a creative business there are really a hundred things that are really, really annoying. We killed all of them, all of them' that means that you can you can concentrate hundred percent on the task given without all the management bullshit and that gives you so much more productivity you won't believe it and then we have these deadlines that you normally heard about now like the deadline is in March. We don't have it. The deadline is today at eleven o'clock. We do that, and it's actually working, and you know it's it's kind of exhausting really it's hard and you 're sweating it 's hard to explain why you're doing it? people hate it, and it 's like a roller coaster, emotional roller coaster like i can 't do that until twelve o'clock and we don 't have meetings anymore
0: how do How do you structure the work then
1: yeah it's it's easy. We have very small it's fifteen minutes video call altogether, or we we meet in a workshop room or whatever, and we are just presenting results, and then we're voting, so we 're not getting into the details like yeah, but can you do it a little more? Pink, green, what? Because everyone has a different understanding. We, we just we just vote, we just voted and th- the goal is not having a hundred percent perfect result. Because we learned there is no hundred percent. It's just eighty, is, eighty is okay. And in the very first beginning, at the very first day, ten percent is okay. It's okay, and then we iterate through that week from day to day. With the only goal that by the end of the week, we have something that a normal customer can't differentiate from a real existing product that's it and it works each time
0: you know what is fascinating to me listening to what you're just saying is your mission in your company is to drive innovation for other companies but at the same time because you're doing that you need to constantly innovate within your own company everything and rethink all the time how you do things is that ever tiring to constantly have to look at things and you know reevaluate yeah
1: very good question i would I would say you know such a week is very intense you know and, and we had presentation at the end of the week and people had to change their, their shirts and stuff because you know we're totally wet <laughs> <laughs> but then if people are passionate about the jobs and they're presenting stuff and they're going live they're really really proud because they can see what they're actually working on in a minimum of time. Mike, so you know I I, I drive home on Friday night and my wife asks me, What have you done? And I tell you yeah, we've built this and that new energy solution and it can revolutionize the world and she's looking at me, In one one week? Say, yes? And you and you're proud. It's a hard job, but it's totally fulfilling. And you know, I don't even believe in these um, you know, new work uh, how do how do you call it the work work life balance thing? Because if you've been in such a week and you gave it all right, and by the end of the week you've done it and you you see then the results and people love it and resonating and you you probably tweak a little bit and then resonating more. That that's what the creators are here for. And but isn't
0: that counterintuitive to the other idea? And especially you know we're in Germany, right? And there's this thing about having a balance maintaining the status quo don't disrupt <laughs> what is already established there's a lot about that right and it's com- completely counterintuitive and how does that work it's
1: completely <laughs> counterintuitive yes it is but here comes the thing you know the people within such an inner week you know designers whatever you know because I really mean it. it's an emotional roller coaster. Sometimes on Tuesday they say we can never do it. We have, we have to we have to cancel the job. They're getting really really nervous, and then they start. He said, like, start working. It's it's okay. You know you get support, whatever." And and then you know sometimes on, on Wednesday, yeah, I probably probably I can do it. I don't know. I don't know exactly. And then on Thursday, they say, yeah, I have I have a really nice solution here. Yeah, I really love it. I love it. I love it. And people are in the job all their emotions in, in both sides, negative and positive. By the end of the week, it's always, it's really always, we never had it that, that we said, oh, this was a really bad wing, and I hate it or something. We, we never had it because if we have the feeling, you know, it's my job to say, stop, something's wrong. We have to change it immediately. We're not going that direction anymore. Right? Because you know, sometimes you know, if you're a developer and you're not used to speak to customers or whatever, we, we really we speak about stuff like that. And it's so fulfilling. You're so happy. And you now it comes the thing. The designers telling us, the developers telling us, that's exactly how I want to work. You now I need people kicking my ass. I need people demanding stuff that I probably can't do. And I thrive a little bit. I'm growing a little bit with each single week. And I can see how I proceed becoming a better person, whatever, right? And that's something you don't have in a normal job. And I, I told people, hey, actually, this is the holy grail, not only of innovation management, but probably also of working. It sounds crazy, but, you know, I, I see the results. And and we decided, like, I think three years ago, because we had, we had both ways of working, uh, working stuff. We had the, the innovate guys, and we had normal projects where uh, we're working with, with, you know, Scrum and stuff like that, right? You always, Scrum means you always have a backlog with 10,000 tasks and actually you never really have the feeling of, I've done it. Because, you know, if you've done it, the backlog fills up again and you say, oh, next stop, next week. And that's something that is actually, what well, we found out, a little bit frustrating and if you work in that mode i can totally understand that you need need a work-life balance and you want to need new work approaches you want to work from home whatever i can totally understand it but the way how we work at the moment it's hard to explain but it's the feedback is quite good
0: i'm curious what your hr department does or lay we don't have one (laughs) (laughs) um i'm not sure you can say that
1: (laughs) Actually, we don't need it because you know, um, of course. yeah, you know, you know, like in each single company in this world, we also have you know problems and stuff. But I can tell you what, you know, because not everybody is in a in a week each week. We are setting the teams uh, with a very strict idea um, that you really must be a fit for the product we're building, right? So some people they have like free time where they you know working on, for instance, on our own brand or some social media stuff, whatever. But as soon as this happens, the struggle arises. Means if we are not in a in a week with the very tight deadlines and pressure, and you know, for instance, we, we help Volkswagen developing to become you know the number one mobility provider. Wow, this is really pressure, right? Wow, how how are you gonna do that? I don't know. You're getting nervous. You're getting nervous. But as soon as this pressure is going away, um, these small human problems that every normal employee and even CEOs have and the the struggle begins.
0: Absolutely. I have your book here and I have to say I've read it and I I just need to say I was so fascinated. You totally hate it. I didn't say that, (laughs) but I love this on page seven of the book. And I love that this is on page seven at the very beginning of the book. It says... Strong opinions aren't free, and let's start with the language style of this book. It's unusually direct, at least for the German culture. I'm so curious about this. Why and how?
1: Why? Because that's my personality, right? You know, if if I see bullshit, I talk about bullshit and not about some flowers and blooms and how we could optimize the. You know, you know, I made this TED talk, and in this TED talk, I talked about the business mask i don't know why but people are used to put on a mask as soon as they're in business i think it has to do something with fear of rejection or fear their career could be stopped and whatever and what i found out you know when when doors are closed and you're talking to c-level guys or the biggest bosses whatever guess what language they are using like they're completely human right i just talked to the you know like 20 minutes ago i talked to the CTO of burmaster he's also an engineer and he's like completely normal nice guy if you approach to him in that way if i would approach to him like oh you are the cdo of this very famous high-end uh, fidelity company i would like to assume you a business proposal he would he would also probably be like strange to me whatever right i have a completely different understanding you don't need this crappy business talk bullshit show your full personality who you are what's important to you that's what people makes interesting you know if you always want to impress how cool you are or how controlled you are or how, how good consulting you are you know that that's not it it's absolutely Nobody wants to see that, right?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I love that about your book. I totally recommend it. I did read it and I have to say the one thing that I really like about it about apart from the fact that you are very direct, which speaks to my heart because you know, as a Romanian, it's it's um and as a very direct uh, woman, I I love that. I also feel that your book is very tactical. It's very practical. And it's easy to understand, which I didn't expect, because I thought you know a book about innovation had to have a lot of you know difficult terms and technical terms, and and what you're trying to really explain is exactly the process of how it all works out.
1: Now, I have the feeling if people if people use a language that is very you know sophisticated and. They're using very long sentences and stuff. Sometimes I have the feeling, are they not really understanding what they're talking about?
0: Should be easy, right? I,
1: I use that in our, all of our postings. I write them you know, and I don't have a, oh, you saw it, um, someone writing behind me uh, my stories. I, I do that. If you can't explain it it's simple, then you simply don't, haven't understand it well enough, like, you know, a very famous guy said that, right? And the same goes on for books and all that stuff. And even for our podcast, you know, we started our podcast with the intention of I don't think we ever had a real intention. It was just fun. It was just fun until the day that we were blocked on Apple because we're using a little bit heavy language in German. You you use heavy language in German. It's normal. And then we got this this label, this you know explicit language use label, like a rapper. And then we were relisted a Few days, then we get blocked again. I said, okay, what's what's going on here? I mean, like this is a business podcast. Why why are we blocked? What's that? And so we uh, made another move. We said, okay, this is no, it's not business. It's comedy because, you know, (laughs) that's the German norm. Under comedy, everything is allowed. So, and now um, that was crazy. It was like two weeks and we went to the top five podcast charts with that podcast because we are doing straight talk. You know, it's not the usual business mask talk, right?
0: And I wanted to get to that because apart from being an innovator, you know, being an entrepreneur, a business person, I also think you're a great marketeer, by the way. You're also now a top voice for, you know, marketing out there um, and for innovation. And you're one of the most known people on LinkedIn. So I wanted to ask what made you take that route, right? There's different routes. There's the traditional route of, You know, cold calling, getting in touch with the potential clients and trying to get the business, you know, that way, that's sort of what 99% of people and entrepreneurs and and companies out there would typically do. But you said, okay, I'm going to use this platform. I'm going to use it to communicate what I believe in and to talk about my company. What, what made you do that? And what is the upside that you see there?
1: There are numerous upsides I can explain to you because back in the days, we, we also, we, we've done cold calling. We had to apply to the bigger companies and now it's completely changed, right? So the, the upside is people are now applying for us and asking, oh, can we work together? And we say probably, we don't know. We have to ask our team if things are matching and then you know, we have to find a free slot.
0: Let me check my schedule. <laughs>
1: it's It's completely changed, right? And and we don't do any sales anymore or stuff like that. We, we we don't have it, you know? And so this is like the upside. But um, that wasn't the intention behind it. I didn't even knew that it could work like that. The intention was really, you know, I was totally, yeah. You know, but all that stuff that I read, like, yeah, you have to become agile and then, you know, you're innovative. I was like, no, that's not it. And, and, and yeah, if you want to be innovative, then you make have to make sure that all of your employees have to feel 100% safe that you have you read in every book. And it's complete bullshit. Even our own employees told us, this is bullshit. It's not going to work. We tried that. I-, I told every every employee, hey, you are 100% safe no matter what's happening here. And we had results that were not so cool. You know, it's actually, it's like a mission, you know, driven from within. That I have to tell people, don't believe all that bullshit you're reading in books. Don't believe people that actually are actually just a professor at some university, but never really... Develop products, or even you know, developing products the on one side, but they never successfully implement new products at the market. Right? Don't believe to them because they they're telling some you know consensus story about something that won't work in practice. And that's my mas- my mission, right? And if you talk about practice, it, you, you can't use sophisticated words for that because practice is not sophisticated. It's it's sometimes really really easy. Right. And, um, you know, that's the main idea behind, you know, really spreading the mission of the, that innovation don't have to cost millions or years. Please, we need innovation, you know, also in, in Germany, you know, everything is frozen because of the multiple crisis and stuff going on. And, you know, people really are yeah we have to do innovation but probably not the right time yet you have to understand it's that's a typical german discussion right now and you know then someone i don't know for instance from japan is reaching out to me hey Lars, uh we have this idea uh do you have a free slot budget doesn't is not important because then they understand it's just a week how expensive can it be it's just a week just but then we have results and you know and they're proven and we have first customers and then you can make the decision if you really want to become a reality with all the production details behind and big investments, but then you already know there's a product market fit, right? And that's something is so important for me to tell this story again, 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 till I, hopefully, everybody out there has finally understood it.
0: How do you find the time to create all this content and to communicate like this? Because again, I want to go back to the fact that 99% of companies and people don't find it important. Um, and the reason why they think it's not important is because they're busy uh, and they're yeah. busy doing whatever, right? And I'm sure that you're a very busy guy, right? I mean, you you're a CEO, you you own a company, you have employees, you have projects. I'm sure you're very busy. Why is this a priority for you? And how do you find the time? It makes life so much easier.
1: You know, I, I don't have to reach out to companies anymore. I we don't have do we don't have to do marketing campaigns anymore. We don't have to, you know, filling out some stupid typical German paperwork shit anymore. We. we our life has become so easy because of, you know, social media, the book and whatever. Okay, writing a book is, is if you really mean it, it takes some time. I really mean it. And the last 10%, it's a complete pain in the ass, you know. The I, hardest. Oh, re- <laughs> it, it, t- it takes the same time as the first 80 or 90%. It's really, really annoying. But then um, doing content on a regular basis, and I really it on a regular basis, it becomes a habit. You know, I do two posts per day, nothing not more, because I don't, I don't believe in doing like 10 or 20 posts per day. I think it's actually bullshit because people are already getting annoyed. Today, I just did one post because, you know, I've been on an event and all stuff. It starts feeling awkward to me. Not having posted twice, because it's a complete habit. And producing content, you know, I would highly recommend, even for CEOs, do it on your own. You mean know, you don't have to do videos and stuff, but it's so easy. Get yourself a phone, make a video of you, something, you talk about stuff that's really important. You don't even need to cut it. It's bullshit. You don't have to do it. Just post it online. The more unprofessional or not Hollywood it is, the more people resonate with it. Because they say, oh, that's, that's real. It's not cut it, right? Our podcast production, it's not cut it.
0: Absolutely not. So let's convince some CEOs there. What's your workflow out of the day? How do you, when do you find the time and how do you use that time for creation or posting?
1: Yeah, I, I know people always ask, you know, like, do you have a content plan and, and what is your strategy and all that stuff? Actually, I'm doing something and getting inspired. I write down on my phone, like, um, yeah, today I, I made a post about something, you know, it's a covering S processes of innovation, right? <laughs> And <laughs> it was because I had a call someone. He was asking, yeah, well, how can we make sure that... I said, you can't make it sure. By playing it safe, you actually having a higher risk uh, that your career will fail. Do that fucking week, you know. But if you don't want it, it's okay. You know, don't steal my time. And you know, that that was the inspiration for the post, right? So there was someone uh, laying in uh, next to a waterfall, totally relaxed, not understanding that, you know, he is about to die, right? And I wrote something over... Like, um, this is not uh, safe, this, uh, playing safe is not the safest way for innovation, something like this. And I, I'm not planning for likes or something, or what is the most resonating, whatever. It's something, you know, I get inspired daily, and I, I I learn to use the tools on my own. I don't have even have a video cutter, because I don't, you know, when I started briefing someone, can you please use this video and write that headline, whatever? it's complete crap. I use AI tools for this. And I'm, and for for instance, for a video like that today, I need less than a minute, including finding the right video somewhere in the internet, downloading it, bringing it in the right format, putting a headline on it, um, transcribing it, uploading it, writing a text to it. I know it's definitely not more than 10 minutes per day. And if you don't have that time, you will probably end up doing sales the whole day. And actually, you know, the problem for me was I, you know, I'm, you won't believe it, but I'm kind of introvert, you know, I'm an engineer, okay, right? And actually I hate calling people and asking them for, do you have a project for us, blah, blah, blah. I hate it because, you know, if they really would need something, they would come on their own. That's my, you know, understanding of how things work. And actually Absolutely. You know, it works. People reach out to me and say, hello, I, lo- I saw your video and that's really crazy. And sometimes, yeah, I'm making videos of my own, talking to camera or whatever. And each time I'm I'm doing that, people reach out to me, yeah, I saw that, love that. Can can we work together? I love you. I say, yeah, probably, yeah. If you find a free slot, probably.
0: That's how people get to know you, right? And that's how you build trust in a way. And I guess... Yes, for an introvert, especially at the beginning, and I know that I went through it myself when I started to be a bit more active. It's hard at the beginning, but you get used to it. And then the upsides are quite amazing. Absolutely. You know,
1: you always have to ask yourself, what is the alternative, right? And, you know, I always hated doing sales, you know. We 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 did it different back in the days. Our biggest success was building products prototypes and we invested like I would say between 50 to 100,000 euros and then we reached out to customers but you know that's quite a big sum right and if you do it like 10 20 times in a year think about that number right and that was our idea how we reached out to customers and and now it's we, we turned it all around and said okay there, there's so much ideas out there what we found out you know we built a real nice prototype we, we were going to the big company presenting and the developer. Like, they were always like oh wow that's crazy we love that and and then you know, but <laughs> it was hundred percent of all the projects were but we have a different problem going on right now. Can you also help us with that? Hundred percent. So we invested in a prototype that everybody loved, but they have their own problems going on. And that made, you know, for us it's so clear of why what are we doing here? What is that? Right? But just waiting for someone to reach out to you is probably also not the best idea, you know.
0: What is the biggest mistake that you can make from an innovation perspective?
1: I think the, the techno love bubble is really misleading. Um that people, you know, if they develop a new product, they're coming from an engineering perspective. I, I'm saying that as an engineer, you know, because we did it and we, we failed so often, right? Because we were totally in love with our new product and features and stuff and we bring it to market nobody nobody was interested, right? This this is a really, really big thing. You know, next thing is way too long processes. Because it's it's killing everything, it's killing motivation, it's killing then, you know, patents, I don't believe in patents anymore, absolutely not, because it takes at least three to six months if you want to really have a somehow safe patent. And we, 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 have, we have customers uh, that look at patents databases worldwide and just to, co- just, just to send them to un- and ask, can you find a workaround? We love the product, here's the scratch of it, can you, can you can do a workaround? So what's the patent good for? Even if you are in, in you know, with companies like China where where copying someone is a the highest form of, of you know, so and, and there's there's so much stuff that you can do wrong as an innovator. And but what I found out is that if you really are in a one on one call with really intelligent innovators, that they all have the same pain. They developed something and it's not seen by these C level guys or it's not understood or they don't get it. And then it dies the silent death in some drawer or something, right? And that's that that's really how you can piss off the the high highest motivated people in your company, and then it finally change the company, then go somewhere else, and then they experience the same again and again and again. And that's something you know what we say, to, come on, that's, that 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 can't be the right direction, right? And there must be a reason why there's so. Such few innovation really happening out there. Right? And most, most of the innovation products you see out there, there are variations there. Uh, you know, like some collaboration with a good influencer and they're doing their own model, whatever. That, I think that's okay. It's also a different kind of approaching a market and it's somehow innovative, but it's not an innovation. Really need a better understanding of um, how can we bring products to market and don't making so much, generally we say, Bohai. not talking so much bullshit, just do stuff. And that's something we totally missed. We are concentrating on filling out papers and, and trying to imagine it on a theoretical approach, how the best strategy would look like. And say, stop that, you know, if you work together with some experts, they've done it like in our case, like 650 times. We don't need some theoretical approach anymore. Now we got a briefing and um, the PowerPoint um, briefing cost two million dollars. they identified, you know, which will be the right project to approach on. Right and uh, i told him guys why didn't you invest in this and experimenting and in a week, whatever you would be you know this is all guesswork on very good looking papers right and a nice powerpoint but i think the biggest problem is powerpoint innovation it's it's really you know for an engineer it's the biggest pain. i
0: think not just for engineers i think also for marketers <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can tell you from experience
1: yeah and then the next thing you know when we work we work on interdisciplinary teams right
0: please involve marketing you know, if a
1: product is just engineering driven, chances that they're gonna fuck it up is like almost a hundred percent. Involves sales, involve marketing, involves customer service. You know, not not like it's three hundred guys, just one of them is enough. People are actually not doing that. And I, I, I totally ask myself, why? I, I don't get it. And that's so crazy. Sometimes you know in our InnoWix, we have from each department we have one guy sitting there and they, they see themselves the first time. <laughs> and then they exchange themselves the first time. And they say, Oh really? So you've talked to a customer, really, he did said that, wow, I didn't knew that, you know, and then as soon as you get rid of the silos, you know, silos are really, really big problem, in the bigger corporates, they start to, you know, cooperating with each other and, and the things are getting so much more fluent and, you know, it's crazy, it's totally crazy. And you ask yourself, okay, probably we need a different organization structure for building innovative products. But then, again, people talk about innovation culture, which, which I believe is it's bullshit. We don't need innovation cultures in companies. No, not everybody in a company can be innovative, right? There there are really tangible reasons for some people that they don't have to be creative, for instance. You know, if, if they do some billing or whatever, you don't want to be them innovative. I believe nobody can be innovative the whole time. It's, but for a week, you can do that. Like like you're going on holiday, you're going on in a new week and then together with a team of experts and, and with your colleagues, uh you concentrate on one single task, no, no distraction, you know, no nothing else, and then you push your product to the market. That's possible. But after that week you need to do some boring stuff again. It's hard to explain. <laughs>
0: I really love your energy and I think it's I think we need more of that in in organizations everywhere. And the other thing that I find really interesting about what you do is that you have that constant contact with the consumer. And sometimes we we sort of disconnect a little bit with the reality of the market and because you are so Connected all the time on a weekly basis and going and coming and going and coming and getting all that feedback. I'm wondering and, and also to wrap up the podcast today, what are the major consumer shifts? that you're noticing out there that maybe people are not so aware of?
1: Actually, shifts are not that big that you might think. That's what we found out. For instance, let's talk about sustainability again. Because, you know, I always say, yeah, you must be doing a hundred sustainability projects. No, if you're in the real business, <laughs> you know, we not doing show innovation, there's one thing we found out. I'm not allowed to talk about which brand it was, but it's a very, very famous brand. And we did a test, right? And they were assuming that if you have a, it was a clothing brand, when you have a very sustainable fabric, people will love it. But actually that's not the case. But if you can see that you're wearing a very sustainable fabric, people love it. We ask ourselves, what's this? So in the end we found out it's not about sustainability, it's the image that people want to transport, that they are sustainable summing it up it's still the same we want to we want to be somebody we want to impress somebody we want to be seen and these are you know these are human factors that are always the same if you look on the surface they might look different but deep within us it's pretty much the same if you finally get an understanding of what 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 drives people what is it then you can also be very very successful on 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 social media and that's also why i highly recommend for CEOs, CTOs, whatever, go to social media because you're getting you're getting so much more connected to people and find out what they're really resonating with, and you're getting reconnected to people. And sometimes you know we talk to CTOs of bigger companies, you know, like from the automaker uh, industry, right? And um, they they had discussions like, I don't understand how how people you know can't invest like a hundred thousand k for this car. This car is like, you know, uh, uh, even it has a V eight um, engine. I don't understand because people don't earn that much. Yeah, you know, they are totally lost connection to normal people and doing social media, you are getting uh, kicked back to the normal situation so fast that you even get a better understanding of what are people ticking to, what are they, what are they like, what they don't like. For instance, if you just talk about yourself, how great you are and how such a great innovator you are, you won't get any resonating stuff, right? If you enable others, if you really give value, if you really want to help others and, and not just to make it a business, but to really want to help others, people find out about that and then they start resonating. And that's something, you know, we lost in business. We are way too much KPI driven and we are way too much, you know, it's difficult. <laughs> you probably know what I'm talking about.
0: Lars, thank you so much. It's, um, it's always a pleasure to, to speak to you, to listen to you. I feel that all my curiosity about innovation has been satisfied today.
1: Thanks for having me and uh, good luck with your podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into Unmatched. Remember, building an Unmatched brand is not just about success. It's not about popularity. It's about creating something truly remarkable that reflects who you are and what you stand for. So keep pushing yourself to go beyond what you think is possible. Keep taking risks, challenging yourself, and never settle for standard. And if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Until next time, keep being unmatched.